so good to see you back tonight and uh, very much an encouragement to see your faces here. Thank you to those of you who have uh, donated or uh, decided to grab a packet for Supply in July. Uh, there are just a couple left. What is on the board is out there. It's kind of like, I don't know, Walmart or Lowe's. If you see it, that's all we got. Uh, but we got a few left, and don't forget you can jump in with some other families and uh, support those students. So thank you for uh, loving your neighbor in the community in such a practical and Christ-like way, and uh, appreciate those of you who do that every year. One day at VBS, the kids were lined up at the fellowship hall and they were waiting for snack time. And at the head of the line was, was a large tray of apples and a helper had made a note on this tray. And it said, take only one, God is watching. Moving further along down the line, at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. And clearly a child had written a note and it said, take all you want, God is watching the apples. <laughs> children and adults, children and adults alike can be very creative and funny at times when it comes to bending uh, the rules or modifying rules to fit what we want. Uh, perhaps even more interesting than written rules are the unwritten rules uh, that exist in society. You know, the rules that there's not a sign, there's not a document, there's not, uh, it's not posted publicly anywhere, but they are there as plainly as the written rules. Uh, sometimes they even have a lot more power than the written rules. And so I thought I'd have a little fun and peruse the internet for the unwritten rules of society. Uh, here, here are just a few. When the cleaning starts, the party's over. Help cleaner go home. Let people off an elevator before you get on. Uh, don't make plans with friends or talk about plans with friends in front of people who were not invited. If someone is wearing headphones, period, they don't want to talk. Uh, don't show long YouTube video clips to someone during a conversation. That was meant to be quick. Uh, trying to teach someone a lesson, quote-unquote, almost never works. Uh, this is a good one. Have your card or cash ready to pay at the cash register. I see some of you looking around. No, I'm just kidding. Don't put, this is going to hit close to home, don't put empty stuff back into the cabinet or the refrigerator. Uh, number nine is never ask a woman if she's pregnant. Number ten is never, never ask a woman if she's pregnant. And number 11, if, you, if someone texts you plans, confirmation, or a question, please respond to them. All right, I thought this would be funny because, you know, we see it all the time with kids, right? How about some, some toddler unwritten rules of ownership? I thought you would enjoy these. I did. Uh, I found these online. Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Uh, number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Number four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Number five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Number six, if I'm, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Number seven, if it looks like mine, it is mine. Number eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Number nine, if you are playing with something and you put it down, automatically it becomes mine. Number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. Number 11, if it's broken but you are having fun playing with the broken pieces, it's mine again. 
And number 12, if there's any doubt, it's mine. Uh, I had so much fun perusing these unwritten rules, I wrote a little bit just for the Mount Juliet congregation. So try uh, uh, check these out. Uh, you can sit on the end of the pew. You just can't be frustrated when you have to move 14 times to let people into the middle. Uh, number two, if you cannot log into Family Tree, please see Stephen Moles. He is a walking human church directory. Uh, number three, if Tony Torres is cooking for an event, drop everything and go to the event. No questions asked. Uh, number four, you have a better chance of borrowing the church bus for the local demolition derby than you have in borrowing church tables and chairs for a personal event. <laughs> number five, don't make suggestions about the way something should be done next year. You will quickly be put in charge of the whole event next year. Uh, number six, bringing cookies by the church office is always a good thing and is never frowned upon. Uh, number seven, men never go into the ladies' supply closet, ever. It is holy ground. Number eight, ladies, during a fellowship meal, just go first. We know all the other ladies are looking at you, but you're a lady too. Just go first. Let's get this thing started. Uh, number, number nine, don't worry about studying Genesis, Matthew, Acts, Romans, or Revelation on your own. We are always teaching those classes, those books, somewhere at, here or Church of Christ near you. And number 10, bring earplugs to VBS during booster. All right. There are a lot of different unwritten rules, right? I know that was a little long, but uh, most of these rules are, are for our own good. And they help in those, those you know, moments of friction. They help smooth things out. Uh, but sometimes rules can get in the way, right? I'm not talking about the good rules. I'm, I'm talking about the rules that keep us sometimes in our life from loving our neighbor as ourselves, the rules that keep us from obeying the second commandment if we let them. Adam had one of these rules, right? Uh, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, in verse 11, 12, and 13, when God finds them in the garden, and what have they done? They've eaten of the tree, the one tree that God told them uh, not to eat of. And in chapter 3, verse 11 of Genesis, God says, Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The worthless, unwritten rule is this. If someone leads you astray, you are off the hook, and they are the ones that have to pay for it. Moses, Moses had, a, had a, a couple of unwritten rules, right? If you go to Exodus chapter 4, I have it on the screen for you. When God wants Moses to go and speak to the children of Israel and speak to Pharaoh and, and teach the Israelites about their God again and speak to Pharaoh about letting them go, after all that, Moses says uh, in verse 1 of chapter 4, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And God, of course, gives him the miracles he can do with his staff and with his cloak. And, and even after that, Moses says in verse 10, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses followed his own unwritten rules that were kind of childish, right? And it would be if God tells you to do something and you don't feel like you're up to it, uh, it's okay. You are exempt. Aaron, Moses' brother, had some of these rules, right? If you go to Exodus chapter 32, the, near the end of the book, 
the story of the golden calf that we're all too familiar with, right? Moses had been gone for a couple of days. He comes back now with the Ten Commandments. What does he find but his brother, the priest, leading these people in idolatry? Uh, verse 30, uh, Exodus 32, verse 22. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Uh, Aaron's unwritten rules cost a lot of lives that day. And I guess the unwritten rule would be, if enough people pressure you long enough to sin, just do it. King Saul, Israel's first king in the promised land, had one of these rules. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul had gone out and he was taking over one of his, his, his first biggest military victories. Samuel was a little late in getting there and Saul could not wait for Samuel. Samuel told him to wait for him and sacrifice in chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, verse 11, Samuel says, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were, were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at, at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and, and offered the burnt offering. Saul's rules broke God's rules, and it cost Saul his kingship. And the rule would be, if it doesn't look like the Lord will show up, just improvise and take care of it yourself. So what are we to do with these foolish, unwritten rules that are not good for us, clearly? Uh, one thing we can do is we can see them for what they really are, excuses. They're not rules. They're excuses. And you know the second greatest commandment, right? We studied about it this morning. If you look at Matthew uh, chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, a lawyer asks him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And I want to take that second command, uh, and instead of talking about it explicitly, I want to put before you two Proverbs tonight uh, that, that we will kind of just hold in one frame and just kind of look at them and how, how they contrast each other and how they, they go or they don't go with the second greatest commandment. Uh, let's look at two different Proverbs tonight. The first one is Proverbs 22, verse 13. And the second one is Proverbs 11.30, and it's, it's on the screen for you. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 13, the sluggard says, There is a lion outside, I shall be killed in the streets. And then Proverbs 11, verse 30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures or wins souls is wise. Whoever wins souls is wise. Now, think about these two verses uh, no, they're not in the direct context of the second greatest commandment. Uh, but I, I think there are two Proverbs we can gain a lot of wisdom from when we think about the mission, the work, the commissions that God gives us to do. Two Proverbs, both from the same book, 
in the Bible, two very opposite perspectives. Here we observe the difference between the righteous and the sluggard. The proverb about the sluggard is almost comical. You know, there's a lion in the streets. I'm going to be killed if I go out there and do any work at all. The sluggard has an unwritten rule, a silly rule. He just made it up. The sluggard will make up anything that he can to get out of fulfilling the work that he has to do. Have you ever asked a sluggard in your own life to take care of a small task and they just, they can't, they won't do it? What, what's the figure of speech that we always say, would it kill you to do this one simple thing? And it's never something that would kill them. It's just something small, right? And we're being sarcastic. Well, this slugger would say, absolutely, I will not do that. It would kill me. There's a line in the streets. I'm not going. True or not, the slugger's not going to do his work. What about the other proverb? What about the righteous? The fruit of righteousness of the righteous is a tree of life and whoever captures souls is wise the righteous is solid and he's steady uh, the righteous is it bears fruit in the lord's kingdom like a tree that's deeply rooted in the ground if you have time uh, we won't go there tonight but if you have time in the next few days read psalm 1 it's half a dozen verses long but it is so powerful. It gives a very stark image of the righteous and the wicked, and it compares the righteous to this great tree planted by rivers of water that yields fruit in its season, and the lazy or the wicked are like dust that just, it's here today, it's blown out, swept out tomorrow, it doesn't even make it when a breeze comes by. The righteous seeks to win souls, and his fruit is like a tree. So we can... Look at these two proverbs for a second. Just pause and look on the screen and think about the second greatest commandment and the work that God gives us with love of him and love of neighbor as we love ourselves. And just let them sit in your mind. Which would you rather be? If you're going to leave a legacy for your brothers or sisters in Christ, your family, your children, uh, your, your friends... Which one would you want to be known for? What's your initial feeling towards both of these Proverbs? How do you feel? Uh, what's the impression that you get when you read Proverbs 22, verse 13? Uh, what's the impression that you get when you read Proverbs 11 and verse 30? What's the difference between them? One's mission is to run away from any sign of work, to make any excuse uh, or rule, no matter how absurd or false. The other one's mission is the work of God to win souls, to save lives, to capture souls, to do the, the wise thing. Now, before we leave these two pro, uh, proverbs on the pages of our Bibles, let's apply them to our lives, right? Unwritten rules. We don't have any of those today, do we? Uh, no, we have unwritten rules everywhere that we go. Uh, maybe we have some of those unwritten rules and they get in the way of fulfilling the second greatest commandment, right? Uh, how about, I just listed three here. Number one, I'm really tired. I'm, I'm not in the mood uh, to, to do evangelism or to love my neighbor or just to... You know, put on a face and be nice. Uh, so the, the rule underlying that, the unwritten rule, is if you don't feel like loving, you're exempt from loving, right? Uh, there comes a time where you can be exempt from following God's commands if you've done it enough. Uh, listen, I, I understand that 
We are humans. We can only be in one place at a time. We have to get so much sleep. You can only work so long. Your attention span is only so long. Uh, but there are times where we must take care of ourselves. But God expects us to love our neighbor. So how much should we take care of ourselves? How much should we just run it wide open and work as hard as we can? Well, whatever balance it is for you to fulfill the second greatest command of loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God. Another one is, I'm in the waiting room with this person I don't know or in public with this person I don't know. It would be weird to try to talk to them uh, about God. So the underlying rule is if you feel weird about something, you are exempt. It's okay. Um, many of you that have kids, right, would, would say, no, that doesn't hold. You still have to be a parent no matter how weird things get or some out of, out of control things get. Uh, listen, maybe it does feel weird. But we have to stop thinking about our unwritten rules, and we have to remember the proverb about righteousness, right? Where we just make up any excuse. There's a line in the streets. This feels weird. I'm too tired. It's not convenient. Or are we going to capture souls? And maybe sometimes the wise thing to do seems weird to us. Maybe. Uh, but it doesn't matter. We have to do the wise thing. Uh, number three, I'm still in public with this person. I don't know what to, stay, uh, what to say uh, to them to start a conversation. So if I don't know what to do, I'm exempt, right? If I don't know what to say, if I don't have the training uh, to do this, well, maybe the best step would not be to brandish a pocket Bible and immediately start reading Leviticus to them in the middle of a, the grocery store. Uh, maybe that would be a little weird, and maybe it wouldn't be so wise. But God has given us an amazing mind with creativity, right? Do we always have to start with the Word of God? You know, sometimes I think when Jesus encountered people in the Gospel, he didn't always start immediately with the Word of God. And he was talking to other people who were Jewish, who had the Scriptures, uh, who had the Hebrew, you know, the Hebrew writings and everything. And even he didn't start with it all the time. What did Jesus do? He loved them first. He lived out the, the law, he lived out God's righteousness, and he did use scripture uh, after he showed them his care for them. He had compassion on them. Maybe before someone sees the text, they need to see that we love them. They need to see that we don't think that they're weird, uh, that we don't mind talking to people and listening, that we hear what they have to say. A famous... Uh, famous character Francis of Assisi was always known for having said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. The gospel is very much a teaching with words, but it is also a life lived with doing, showing acts of love and kindness in God's kingdom and to those who are outside the church. The list of funny unwritten rules we can create can, can go on and on, right? Uh, but let's close with the greatest example of the unwritten rule breaker of all time, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well, right? And they have this great conversation, and she perceives that Jesus is a prophet. And then she leaves, and she goes back to tell everybody in her village. But when the disciples get back, they didn't like it. They, they had had a, a master who broke some unwritten rules that they had. If you read in verse 27 of chapter 4, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? 
In Luke chapter 7, another, another verse where Jesus just did not seem to care about the unwritten rules. He cared more about his father's mission. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 39. Uh, in this whole passage, Jesus had been invited to a Pharisee's house to eat. And what should happen? But a woman who has a sinful reputation is, is, crawls into the house and washes Jesus' feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. And the Pharisee, if you look in verse 39, says... Uh, now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. You see, he was part of the religious elite, and he had God's law, but he also had unwritten rules about who should do what and who's allowed where and who has what permissions to be godly and not. Jesus didn't think so. If you go to John chapter 7, the very end of the chapter, Jesus is arguing with his critics. They didn't like him because he healed on the Sabbath. And they talked about him all the time incessantly. They never left him alone. If you go to any of the Gospels, they give him problems with this. Uh, they complain because he heals on the Sabbath. And then Jesus responds, you circumcise a man on the Sabbath to keep the law of Moses. I'm healing a man's whole body and making it well, and you give me grief. You know, kind of pointing out the hypocritical nature. And they had unwritten rules about Sabbath, and Jesus had a right understanding. And in verse 24 of John chapter 7, he writes, uh, he says a very powerful thing. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. What is right judgment? How do we know? Well, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, whatever we have to do to win souls is the wise thing to do. It's not always about choosing between good and bad. Sometimes it's about choosing between good, better, and best. What's wise, what's wiser, what is the wisest thing that we can do? Whatever we have to do to win souls is the wise thing to do. If it is done out of love for God and neighbor, and that love is rooted in Scripture and the, teaching, and the teachings of God, do it. No unwritten rules trump our mission to love God and neighbor, as Scripture says, to love God and neighbor. So what did I learn today? Number one, God's commands come before any other man-made written or unwritten rules, right? Number two, I can make excuses or I can win souls. I must choose. And number three, Jesus devoted his life to following the rules of God, not the rules of man. And we must be like Jesus. Last year, I closed with uh, this contrasting view between Jesus and Jonah. And they both sat outside different cities. Uh, Jonah, after he had been uh, spit out by the great fish and given a second chance, he preaches at Nineveh, and then what happens? He gets angry that everybody accepts it, and they all repent. And he goes outside and sits and waits for the city to be destroyed. And that's where Jonah kind of ends, uh, that Jonah has not learned his lesson yet, and he is very bitter. Um, and then God sends this plant, right, at the very end of Jonah, and Jonah didn't plant it, and Jonah didn't water it, and then it gives Jonah shade, and he, you know, quits complaining so much, and then the plant dies, and Jonah wishes he could die. And that's where the book ends. It's very funny and depressing all at once. Uh, but Jonah is, is mad that people inside are going to be saved. People, and he is, wants to die because a plant outside the city 
a small plant died. And then we have Jesus on the other end, sitting outside of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13. And he knows he's going to go in there for his crucifixion. And he knows what they're going to do to him. And he knows what Peter and Judas are going to do to him. And he knows the pain and the separation that he is going to experience. And what does he do? He doesn't sit outside the, the, the city angry uh, with people and crying over plants. He sits outside the city looking in, longing for the souls that sit inside Jerusalem, for the souls in that city and the souls all over the world. And so I think, I think it's fitting to end uh, our night tonight with an invitation, with those two images of Jesus and Jonah right before us. Uh, so with those in mind, I ask you, where are you tonight? Like Jonah, are you, are you running from God? Are you angry with God? Are you amazed that God has delivered you from some great affliction, yet jealous that he also gives grace to those who you may not like too much? Or like Jesus, are you outside Jerusalem? Are you longing for the souls of those within? Are you ready to enter with Jesus? Are you ready to suffer with Jesus? Are you ready to die to yourself? Whatever it takes, as many times as it takes, as long as it takes, are we ready to follow Jesus to our neighbor? Jesus has been there, and that's where he is now. Will we go where Jesus is? And our, our Jerusalem is waiting. It's our workplace. It's our household. It's our enemies. It's our community. It's our social contacts. It's everywhere. Do you and I long for the souls in those places? to love them, to gather them unto Christ. And Jesus, I think, leaves, uh, leaves us in that text asking, you know, telling us to do this. Jesus says to us today, put down your sword, give up your control. Stop longing to go back to your country and your stuff. Stop being bitter over plants and start longing for your neighbors and their souls to encounter God's love. Stop waiting to die over petty things and start wanting to live for God. Lay down your life and pick up a towel and serve your neighbor. Turn the other cheek. Give to those who ask. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus stands with us and he says, join me in Jerusalem. I will meet you there. There we will have fellowship together and I will never forsake you. You know, if you have not been baptized into Christ, you have failed on a level to obey the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. How can you love yourself if you have not given yourself, accepted for yourself, the greatest gift that can ever come, salvation through Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God? If you want to love yourself enough to give yourself that gift. God has, has given it freely, and the invitation is always open. You can be baptized with Christ for the remission of your sins, to rise up out of that water, to be a new creation, to join him this side of eternity doing good works, which he designed us for, to join him in eternity with the church that is on the earth right now. We will all be with him in heaven one day. What a great day that will be. If you have been baptized, if you have put on Christ, and you're just tired, or you're burnt out, or you're not sure 
what is unwritten and what is a written rule anymore, what you should do in life, uh, the church is here to help you. Let us pray with you. Uh, let us support you in the way that God commands us to be your brothers and sisters and to love you with the love of God. Let us fulfill the second commandment for you. Whatever your need is tonight, we can